0: Oh, my gosh. So my wife, Katie, is preaching uh, a full sermon for the first time today, and I'm super-duper excited about it for all kinds of obvious reasons.
1: Of course. Yes. And June is going to read the scripture today. It's kind of a long passage of Matthew. We're sort of taking bigger chunks now in, in the plan. Oh, sorry, that's on. Okay.
0: That's okay. I'll go for um, this is Matthew seven, seven through twenty-nine. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts for your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others that you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gates, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, how good, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons in your name, perform many miracles? Then I will tell them, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built this house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished say- finished saying these things the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as it, as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Thanks. Thank you June.
1: So good morning, morning. (laughs) thank you all, I am happy to be here and talking about these scriptures and uh, in part it has been a process because uh, Jesus taught with authority and uh, I hope to share with you what God has done in my heart as I have encountered these scriptures and uh, if you don't like it that's okay (laughs) because the spirit of God is at work in your heart. So I will offer to you what God has done through me, or in me, um, and also invite the Holy Spirit here in all of our hearts for what the Spirit is doing with you. Um, And in keeping with Daniel's suggestion from a couple weeks ago, to really push into the parts of the Scripture that seem hard and confusing, I jumped on this passage because... um, Well, there's a lot in it that makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) And uh, there is calls for alarm in many of the warnings that we just read. And it's important to look at them and respond accordingly. Um, And especially, for me at least, that narrow gate idea has been damaging because of how it gets weaponized as a means of control and exclusion. The lens it is viewed through colors everything, and often the lens we view it through is fear. The gate is narrow. You're going to miss it, and be destroyed. If you do find it, you must be very careful not to slide down its slippery slopes to the outer darkness. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hearing it this way leaves us vulnerable to wolfish people, the false teachers and the false prophets that Jesus describes, who police the way and are very sure of their judgment of everyone else. And in my life, I have found that there are no shortages of people who would loudly and confidently tell me God's plan for my life and the way to prove that I was a good Christian and to know that I was saved, it makes sense, right? If the way is broad that leads to destruction, then we have to turn away from what's popular um, and fight culture wars and make sure not to be led astray by doing anything outside of the Christian bubble. Now, I was a teenager in the 90s. This is a thing for a lot of evangelicalism. Um, I, uh, I didn't burn my secular CDs personally, but that's because I never bought any. <laughs> <laughs> I did rally around the flagpole, and I had a purity ring, and I went on mission trips. Uh, I spent the year after high school interning with a very intense Christian parachurch ministry in Texas. I have the certificate to prove it. I am a maniac for life. I moved to Columbus. I moved into a girls' Christian ministry house. I helped lead a home church. I kept to the straight and narrow way. And what I found was that the pressure to perform and to conform and to always be saving Even though, really, if you thought about it, it was taught that God, and ultimately all of our efforts, would not prove effective for saving the majority of people, I found that this uh, was exhausting and and depressing. Um, But when I questioned it, and when I tried to discern and follow the leading of the Spirit, to trust that God can handle any doubts. Um, that who God is isn't dependent on my certainty, the narrow way police came down hard. And there was, again, no shortage of people who loudly and confidently told me that I had lost God, gone astray, and would deserve every bad thing that ever came my way. And let me tell you, friends, that was a pretty devastating spiritual experience that has taken a long time and is a continuing process (laughs) to recover from. And I know that I'm not alone, and that many people have felt this sense of despair and rejection, whether from inside the church or from being excluded from it entirely. But despite the pain, I am grateful, because by letting go of my own righteousness, letting myself be condemned to slide down that scary, slippery slope, I really got to experience the truth of that Psalm 139 that we heard, there is nowhere we can go from God's presence. Even the darkness is as light to God. Jesus says that few find the narrow gate, but it leads to life. So why do we end up thinking of the narrow way as dangerous and something that's easy to lose? When we read it through that lens of fear, we miss that Jesus is actually offering us some good news. There's a way that leads to life. He has brought light where there used to be only darkness. And in the warnings that follow, the Lord, Lord, (laughs) uh, he's offering us reassurance that God will not allow injustice to go unaddressed. If you have been the victim of abuse, it can be hard to know what to do. Either you can say something and run the risk of having it worsen, having that accusation turned back on you or being ignored. Or if something were to be done about it, the consequences may be more than what you want. So you try to resolve it on your own. But what if the authority and the judge could be trusted? If we look at the character of God as it is revealed through Jesus Christ, God's justice sets the world right. As terrible as it is when crimes are committed and abusers are not held accountable, it is also incredibly unsatisfying when we do enact earthly justice. And wrongdoers never repent. They never apologize. They never admit that they did anything wrong. We long for those who hurt us to acknowledge their actions, to be sorry, and to feel the full extent of the harm they caused. And God is not going to overlook the wrongs that have been done to us, or the harm that we do, or the help that we fail to give. But His justice is ultimately redemptive and restorative. And there is so much in the Bible when you start to look for it. And if we had time, I would stand up here, and we would read Romans 5, and Romans 8, and 1 Corinthians 3, and 1 Corinthians 15, and it all was amazing. Uh, But I, I think for now, I just wanted to bring Philippians 2, when every knee will bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the Father. Because how could our finite wills withstand infinite love? If Paul is right, the fire of God will burn away all that it needs to, but it will not punish endlessly. If the judge is the God who loves sinners and dies for his enemies, who defeats death and rescues everyone, then it seems that these warnings and judgments must be temporal, even if after death, and it will eventually resolve in the restoration of all things to the glory of God. If we look back at the other passages in the Sermon on the Mount, we've come to the end here. The past few weeks, um, we've heard uh, the, um, well, even this week, ask and you'll receive. Um, there's, it seems like God is trying to reshape our anxious attachment. God is not an abusive father who is nice enough to me, uh, but will aggressively punish my sibling um, when they mess up, and I may be afraid that he'll do the same to me if I step out of line. It is very hard not to view our Heavenly Father through the lens of our earthly father family dynamics. But God is not an arbitrary punisher. If you're worried that those Lord, Lord verses, when Jesus says, go away, I never knew you, apply to you, then they probably do not. It's kind of the definition of a wolf and a false prophet. They are very confident that they are doing it right. If you're humble enough to be concerned, then you are on the right track, and Jesus wants you to learn to relate to God as a loving Father. Jesus says, don't worry. God knows what you need. Ask and you will receive. How much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Jesus really, really wants us to understand (laughs) that God is a good Father who cares about us, knows what we need, and invites us into a way of life with Him that is characterized by love and trust, instead of violence and self-protection. And I want to pause, too, because I feel like it's easy to skip over the asking, because it's it's not a magic trick, it's not a genie, like, I don't just ask and it magically happens, but it is describing a relationship. Of trust, that God hears and responds and knows what we need. Um, so we can push into the love and the trust, let go of the violence and self-protection, and we don't need to be the narrow way police, and we don't need to be the judges. Last week, Jeff preached on Jesus' instruction, judge not, lest you be judged, and that we're to take the plank out of our own eye. So we can lay down our stones. God does not need us to be his enforcers, his judges, his overfunctioning and unloving representatives. As Romans 14 says, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Even if the broad majority around us chooses not to care for the poor, doesn't reject violence, doesn't love enemies, that doesn't mean that we're on the wrong path. Taking the path less traveled, the putting Jesus' teachings into practice path is good and life-giving. There is a way of life even in the midst of destruction. We can follow Jesus, we can trust God, we can be the children of God and have a solid foundation and a rock that holds steady in the storm. But what about those wolves, those false prophets and teachers? Jesus says, what about them? (laughs) Leave them, they're the blind leading the blind. Um, You follow me. As we follow, we will lose our way but we are already given the means of return. Heavenly Father, give us what we need to sustain us today. Forgive us our trespasses. Help us forgive those who trespass against us. This is the pattern of secure attachment. There's rupture and repair. (laughs) Losing and finding, sinning and repenting, working and resting, death and new life. It's good news. So I had a bit of a light-hearted, narrow-way experience this week. I don't know if this is common or not, so I will just say, for me, I got a car wash. <laughs> never happened. I can't remember if I ever have gone through a car wash before. Um, I mean, maybe when I was a kid, my mom took me through them, but I've never driven my car through a car wash. But I did take my car on a very broad path of destruction on a road trip, I destroyed a lot of bugs, <clears throat> and then I thought, there's a narrow way, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to find it. I found a car wash, and there's this track, and, like, you, you have to f- drive your tire onto the track, and then you put your car in neutral, and you take your foot off the brake, and it pulls you through, and it was, it was, like, magical, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I let go, And all of a sudden, I'm surrounded by this, you know, water and bubbles, and there's pretty colors and the sounds, and I was like, wow, like, this is making something new, you know? (laughs) I actually went through it three times. It was amazing. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But, But, like, that can be our spiritual life, right? When we let go and let God do the work. It's a beautiful thing. So when we encounter God and we receive God's love, that, that casts off our fear, and we receive the spirit that allows God to call us Father. So it is a narrow way, but it is not an impossible way. Jesus says in Matthew 19, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. But with God, all things are possible. And that really puts the emphasis back where it needs to be. If we go back to Philippians, God has begun a good work in us, and he will be faithful to carry it on until the completion in the day of Christ Jesus. God is at work in us. It's his will at work in us to fulfill his good purposes. And from the narrow way, I come back to this. God is good, and God is not done with you. Sometimes the way seems easy and we walk beside streams and lay down in green pastures, sometimes the way is through the valley of the shadow of death, but always God is with us. So we have a little time. I'm gonna read some of Psalm 139 again and just invite the Spirit to intercede for us and spend maybe two minutes in silence as we just receive from the Spirit of God who ministers love to our hearts. Uh, And then I will invite people up for communion, which is open to everyone, Um, everyone who wants to respond to Jesus' invitation. Um, So Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence here. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, You perceive my thoughts from afar. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand guides me and your right hand holds me fast. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Thank you, Lord, for your loving presence.. Thank you. If it's hard for you to connect with God in silence or in a group, um, God is everywhere. I hope that God meets you as you walk in the park or as you go about your day. Um, and if you want a tangible connection with God Jesus invited us um, to remember him and receive him and he took the bread and broke it and said this is my body broken for you do this in remembrance of me and in the same way he took the cup and he said this is the cup of my new covenant it's my blood poured out for you take and receive it and so everyone is welcome to come and receive communion